I don't know if you're ready for this morning or not. Are you, are you ready this morning? It's the first Sunday of the month. We're going to be looking at our word for the year, which is? And we'll look at it for verses uh, in Revelation chapter 14, 12 to 13 will be our read if you'd like to uh, turn there now. Now, we say this every month and we'll say it next month too. Uh, our text is interesting on multiple levels and the timing of our verse this morning is again proof of the providence of God. He is directing our path, taking us through our word for the year in a timely manner and the verses by which we are examining it. And what we're going to look at today is something we desperately need to both remember and to recognize. Now, at this point in time in the book of Revelation, in chapter 14, the church has been raptured. Apparently, my mic went off when I said that. The church has been raptured. Amen. Now, why we should cheer for that is the seven seals have been opened. The seven trumpets have sounded. Satan has been cast from heaven to the earth, knowing he has but a short time. The corrupt Babylonian system has now collapsed. The world is reeling from cataclysmic event after event that at this point in time will have killed billions with a B, billions, and have destroyed most of the earth. Did I mention we won't be here for that? Now, yet... Here we are, deep in the tribulation period in our text, and there is a word of encouragement that is offered to the saints. Well, some say saints in the tribulation equals church in the tribulation. Uh, that's not true. Okay, you got an extra hour of sleep. <laughs> Psalm 37, 28, and we're going to prove it right here, okay? Yeah. Psalm 37, 28, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake who? His saints. His saints. They are preserved for how long? Forever. Forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off, meaning to die. Then in Romans 1, 7, Paul says to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our verse, one of them today, says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And then we go all the way to the end of the millennium. And we're told they went up on the breadth of the earth, those who sided with Satan, who marched with Gog and Magog, and surrounded the camp of the who? The saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. I think, first of all, we need to remember our God is a consuming fire. Now was, now used to be, he still is, amen? Now, whether you're looking at the Old Testament and the Hebrew at the word kadosh, or if you're looking at the New Testament and the word hagios, both words are translated as saint, and both words, the Hebrew and the Greek, mean holy ones. Now, we just read from Psalm 37 that there are Old Testament saints. We read from Romans 1, there are New Testament saints. We will read this morning that there are tribulation saints, and we just read from Rev 20 that there are millennium saints. And listen, being a saint is not something that is exclusive to the church, and I have even better news than that. You don't have to perform two miracles to be a saint. <laughs> Amen? Because if that's true, a bunch of folk are in trouble, and they're not saints. 
Listen, what you have to do in order to be a saint is to be a miracle. You don't have to perform a miracle. You have to go from dead to life. And that's the business Jesus is in. Amen? Now, just because the word saint is used in the tribulation doesn't mean the church is going through the great tribulation. Now, what we do need to recognize in John 16, 33, where Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have what? Life. You may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Yeah, he said that. But be of good cheer, which is what we always do when tribulation comes. Why can we have good cheer? Because he has overcome the world. Now, the tribulations, I've had this question come up. I can't even tell you how many times. Well, you know, actually Jesus said we're going through the tribulation. Really, where? No, he said in this life you will have tribulation. But having tribulation and the great tribulation are two different things. And the tribulations we endure are not even remotely close to what the tribulation saints will endure or even what some of the persecuted saints around the world are enduring today, at least not for us here in America. And the reason we needed to establish that there have been holy ones or saints in every age of history is because saints in every age of history receive the same exhortations and admonitions from the Lord. And that's what we have in our text. And it doesn't matter that these are saints during the tribulation. What is said to them applies to you and I, just as things said about the nature and character of God in the Old Testament apply to the church today. Now, we need to be careful about taking things written to Israel, specific to Israel, and applying them to the church because the church has not replaced Israel in God's redemptive plan. Amen? Amen. Now, this and what we read here today in our two verses tell us what our title should fittingly be today as a reminder for us all. You're about to see it on social media. You've all heard it before. You're about to see it since it's Christmas shopping season and offers are going to be made to you in the form of our title today, which is for a limited time only. (laughs) For a limited time only. Now listen, in this life, we will have tribulation for a limited time only. In this life, God's people will be persecuted for their relationship with Him for a limited time only. In this life, we're going to experience trials and traumas, but for, listen to this, for one generation, we are going to be living in expectancy of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, but you know why? He's coming. He's coming again. And listen, Psalm 39.5 says, Indeed, you have made my days as handbreadths, or the measure of the width of the hand, is what David says. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best is but what? Vapor. Vapor. Life starts and then it's over before you know it, is what David is saying in comparison to the eternal God of heaven. And listen, the saints of the tribulation will be reminded of what David wrote, not in the sense that the world thinks, because the world thinks, you know what, life is short, get all you can. Grab all you can. Go for the gusto. All the other cliches we have heard about uh, life from the sense of those who don't know what true life is. But in the sense, uh, sense of all the saints through the ages, 
we should think and remember that we are here for a limited time only, and then things get not just better, they get way better, and they get way better forever. And that's how we deal with the days that we are living in right now. That's how we can have good cheer, even in the midst of the tribulations of life. Now, obviously our word for the year is in our text, because it's the reason for our text, and our word is rest, as we mentioned, but... The reality is what we're going to learn is what the Lord has to say about rest to the tribulation saints that we need to remember as saints during the church age. So are you ready? Stand and read with me, please. Revelation chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. Revelation 14, 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Lord, we thank you this morning for this incredible text and all that surrounds it and the things we can learn from it. And Lord, you said in your word that the purpose of going to church is to be equipped for the work of ministry. So I pray over these who are in the room and those online that you would do just that today. Equip us for the work of ministry during a pandemic, government overreach, the violation of our rights, and all the other things we see going on today. Help us to put back on the throne of our hearts and minds that which is most important of all, that is doing your will. We uh, We ask, God, that you would give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying, and we pray it in the name above all others the name of Yeshua, our Savior and Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Now, if we back up a few verses, we can see that while uh, all people are on the earth for a limited time only, there's a contrast between their eternal destinies based on who they choose to worship. Now, worship means to prostrate and submit or to bow to one's authority. And listen, if you're not submitted to God, you are submitted to the devil. Now, that means you're under his authority. Now, some today would say, you know what? I don't like that. I don't even agree with that. Well, take it up with Jesus. He's the one that said it. He said, you're either for me or against me. And the truth is, the word antichrist means against Christ. And if you're against Christ, you're for the devil. For no man can serve two masters. He's going to serve one or the other. And if you're not serving the Lord, you are serving the devil. And we need to remember, there's been a lot of talk about uh, throughout the course of history, the religion of the, the tribulation period, this false religion. It's nothing new. It's called Satan worship, and it's been around forever. And that is going to be the object of people's worship during the tribulation. And for many of them, it's because he was the object of their worship before the tribulation, and that's why they're in the tribulation. And listen, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me, and that's the end of that debate. Revelation 14, 9 through 11, the verses that precede ours. We're told told about a third angel that followed them, saying there were two prior, obviously, saying with a loud voice, if anyone, say anyone, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. 
He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends for how long? That means this is eternal judgment that is in view. And they have no rest day or night. The exact opposite of what uh, the saints are promised here in our text. Who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. So whoever receives the mark of his name is going to be tormented forever and ever. And yet there are those today, one particularly widely respected pastor who's very well known, pastors a large church up in the Los Angeles area. I'm not going to tell you the name, but it's Grace Church. And I don't know why he said this, but MacArthur, John MacArthur said that taking the mark of the beast is not the unpardonable sin. He's wrong. It absolutely is the unpardonable sin. You know why it's the unpardonable sin? It's not the mark that makes it unpardonable. It's the heart that caused you to take the mark that makes it unpardonable because you have rejected Jesus and you have signed on with Satan to worship him and submit to his authority. Now, let me just also say this. I've never heard a Bible teacher that's right about everything. So people mess up. And that was a mess up. Amen? Now, the saints of the tribulation do the same as all the saints of every age. They keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, it doesn't say faith in Jesus, and that's important because we would well understand that. So what is the faith of Jesus? Well, the faith of Jesus is exactly what he came to do as a model for our faith. He came to always and only do the will of the Father. He was constantly pointing to the Father. I think it's interesting, even as the Father was always pointing to the Son. And they're both pointing to the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is references coming from the Father and coming from the Son, presenting the triunity of God. There are three personages of the one God. The Muslims are wrong. We aren't polytheistic. We don't worship multiple gods. We worship one God who is so great that He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now... Uh, one of the arguments that are made is God couldn't have a son. As soon as you say God and couldn't side by side, you're in trouble. Because that's not a supreme being. God can do anything. Of course, there are negatives that God would never do that are not in his capacity. God, of course, cannot lie. Guess what? He can't be wrong. Ever. He cannot be wrong. But listen, the, faithful, the faith of Jesus means faithfulness to God. And there are Old Testament saints that were faithful to God. Yes. Right? Yes. Read Hebrews 11 if you don't believe me. The hall of faith is filled with Old Testament saints and their names. And they are there because they were faithful to God. Now the first admonition that's applicable to saints of every age, written to and said to the tribulation saints, is where an angel says to John, here is the patience of the saints. Now, we know what the word patience is. We've talked about it over the years. It's hoopamone, or hoopamone is how I like to say it. It's got kind of a snappy beat to it, if you say it like that. And it means cheerful or hopeful endurance. And this is the final time of seven that the word patience is used, or hoopamone, is used in Revelation. It's found in the introduction in chapter 1. It's found four times to the churches, and two in letters to the churches in 2 and 3, and two times it is written to the tribulation saints. And verse 12 could be understood as, here's how you have cheerful and hopeful endurance 
in the tribulation. Keep the commandments of God through faith in Him. Now, remember, uh, keep, which is introduced to us in, in Revelation chapter 1, as there's a blessing associated with those who keep the words of the prophecy written in this book. That Greek word is tereo, and it means to guard from loss or injury. Now, we just encountered the fifth commandment from the Decalogue of the Ten Commandments in our closing time in Ephesians, where the fifth commandment from the Old Testament was used to instruct children in the New Testament age how they are to live under the covering and care of their parents. And here in the tribulation, we, keep, we find keeping the commandments listed again as part of the faith in God. Now that tells us, or faith in God, that tells us we need to separate the Mosaic law, the law of rituals and observances and feast days from the law of Moses. After all, if all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, don't you think sin needs to be defined? Yes. It's not defined by your own mind. It's not defined by our own opinion. It's not defined by our emotions. It's defined by the Word of God. And therefore, during the tribulation, the saints have the same mandate that the church has, that the Jews have. And that is obey the commandments of God through faith in Him. Now, we're going to be living this way for a limited time only. And here's the first thing we need to remember as it pertains to our title and text. Listen this morning. Someday, say someday. Someday, someday believing in God will be replaced by being with God. Someday, believing in God will be replaced by being with God. Now, in the midst of all we're encountering today, and we are encountering some stuff today, aren't we? It's crazy what's going on in our world and in our country. And we need to remember that what we're encountering today is for a limited time only. Someday, walking by faith will no longer be required. Because when we see him, we will see him as he is and therefore be like him because of what we've seen. Now, listen, we're not just going to believe that he is when we're with him. How do we know? Revelation 5, 8, 8 through 10 says, Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before who? The Lamb. Each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us what? Kings, I'm sorry, where'd you guys go? Made us what? Kings and priests to our God, and we shall do what? Reign on the earth. Listen, when we're like him, then we can reign with him. We can't reign with him right now because we're not like him yet. We got to be fixed fully. We have to have these, as Philippians will tell us, take these lowly bodies and have them be conformed into the image of his glorious body. And we got to fix all the stuff in our minds and emotions as well and fully have the mind of Christ. And when we're like him, then we can reign with him. Today, we're getting rained on. Today, we're getting rained in. And today we are being despised and rejected because we believe in and live for him. But 
That's for a limited time only because soon we're going home. Amen. Now, verse 13 introduces a new voice. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. It seems like an odd statement, doesn't it? Blessed are the dead. This is the fourth time in Revelation this voice is mentioned without an angelic mention in association with it. And thus most commentators believe God has now entered the conversation. The Lord himself is speaking. And this is likely for one reason above all others. There is no other being in the universe that can say they are blessing, there are blessings in death because there's only one who faced death and conquered it. And he defeated it on behalf of others, including you and me. Now, there's some debate among commentators as to whether the blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on means from that point in the tribu tribulation on or just simply from that point in time on when John saw this. And which one of those is right? I believe they both are. And I believe the reason we can take this position is the statement of blessing is to all who die in the Lord, not all who die for the Lord. And the fact is, the application is dual in that the tribulation, in the tribulation, those who die in the Lord are also going to die for the Lord. They're going to die for the testimony of Jesus. But the fact is, anybody who died in the Lord, whether you're an Old Testament saint or a New Testament saint, is going to be blessed because of the afterlife that we experience. Someday we're going to be with Him. We're not just going to believe in Him, we're going to be with Him. And that's why after the resurrection of Christ, Paul could write in 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is to be present. present with the Lord. Remember, he had to be the firstborn among many brethren. He had to be the first one to resurrect from the dead and stay alive before anybody could be delivered from the holding place known as Abraham's bosom and be taken into the presence of the Lord where they uh, await the reunification with their bodies that come up from the grave when the uh, trump is blown and those who are alive and remain will meet Jesus and the dead in Christ in the air. Man, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? That today would be a great day for that, wouldn't it? Now, we live in a time where the fear of death has taken over the world. And we're talking about the fact, or have talked about the fact, that there are so many Christians who are afraid of dying, they're willing to stop living. And you know what? David just said, you know, yeah, my days are like a vapor, but they're in your hands. And he has us covered, right? Now, that doesn't mean we're stupid. If you jump off a cliff and say, the Lord will deliver me, you're right. He'll deliver you through death. Yes. <laughs> right? right? I mean, it's not that we're being stupid or, or ridiculous and not and acting like people aren't getting sick and, and dying from this. But listen, God's still in control. Yes. He's yes. still on the throne. He's yes. still sovereign over the affairs of men. And listen this morning. Hebrews tells us in 2.14 to 15, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. And if you're wondering who that is, that is the devil. And release those who through fear of what? Death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. What bondage? Bondage of the fear of death. Now listen, I've told you before, I'm not afraid of what lie beyond the grave. I'm not worried about what happens after death. I have my concerns about the method of death, and I just as soon go in the group plan with all y'all in a twinkling of an eye. 
I'd like to skip any uh, associated pain with death or any of those things, as would all of you. Amen? But listen, we don't have any fear of death. We have no reason to fear dying because after we die, we'll be more alive than we ever have been in our existence. And listen, the Christian life was never meant to be easy. There are tribulations. The word tribulations means pains and anguish. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are pains and anguish in this life. But listen, those pains and anguishes, death is not among them. That creates fear in us. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And therefore, we don't have to be pressed with the question, have I been good enough to go to heaven? And we don't have to worry like the Muslims do about at the end of their days whether their scale of good deeds outweighs the scale of bad deeds. That's already settled. We already know. We're not good enough and we haven't done enough good. But it's not dependent upon us. It's what was done for us that gets us into heaven, not what was done by us. And listen, just because we haven't been good enough and we haven't, you noted I said we, right? We haven't. That doesn't mean that blessings don't await us after death because we're not the ones who defeated death. Jesus defeated it on our behalf. And that's why Paul could tell Titus in 3, 3 to 7, for we ourselves were also once foolish. Anybody else here this morning? Disobedient deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Sadly, that's still going on in the church today. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, there's a wonderful parenthesis, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become what? Heirs. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, remember what Paul said about death? We'll encounter it in the opening chapter of Philippians. When he was talking about going to be with the Lord or staying here in this world, he said, I'm hard-pressed between the two. He's saying, you know what, that's a tough decision. And the reason it was a tough decision is because he had a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which was far better. He said, but it was more needful for him to remain here. Now, there are lots of claims about the afterlife today. But there's only one who actually proved there is one. There's only one who validated their claims by defeating death early in the morning on the first day of the week. Well, if you're wondering who that is, I can tell you right now, it wasn't Buddha. It wasn't Muhammad. It wasn't the Maharaja. It wasn't Krishna, and it wasn't Confucius. You can visit their tombs today, and they say, no vacancy. There's only one tomb that's empty, and that is the tomb of Jesus. Amen? Only those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus can say with certainty that there are blessings that await us after death. Now, here's the next thing that we need to remember in times such as these. Listen this morning. It may make you scratch your head, but I'll scratch it for you by explanation in a moment. <laughs> Listen. The fear of death is already defeated. The pain of death is next. 
The fear of death is already defeated. The pain of death is next. Do we need to fear death? Is losing a loved one still painful? Okay, now you see what I'm talking about? During this time of pandemic and the other causes of death that have always been with us, the cause is irrelevant when it comes to the pain that death brings. But we need to remember that too is for a limited time only. Because 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, I do not want you to be ignorant brethren concerning those who have died. Fallen asleep is a first century term because they knew death was temporary, death of the body. Lest you sorrow as others who have no what? No hope. Then at the end of Revelation, we see in 21, 3 to 4, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Listen close. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. Hang on. There shall be no more pain, including the pains that death causes, because death will have passed away. The former things have passed away. Now Paul says, while we sorrow now at the loss of others and our loved ones, we do not do so in a hopeless manner. And Revelation tells us that someday even hope-filled sorrow will be done away with when we are with the Lord and reunited with our loved ones and all those who have gone before us because death itself will have passed away. Therefore, it cannot cause any more pain. Only the Christian can say, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on because only the Christian knows who defeated death on our behalf. Now, after the mention of Jesus in verse 12, followed by the voice of the Father in verse 13, now the Holy Spirit joins the dialogue and says, yes, some would render that verily, or the word can also mean with surety, that among the blessings for those who die in the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaking, are rest and rewards. That's what it means, their works follow with them. Now, in Matthew 16, 27, we're told the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and then he will, next word, reward each one. And he will reward each one according to his works. Now, the Greek word anapao is translated as rest, and it means to cease from labor. How many of you look forward to a long weekend? I mean, if you've got an extra day off, you're looking forward to that, right? We've got a long one coming up. A cease from labor. Permanently. And it could happen today. Could happen before we have communion today. And I'm sure the Lord would be fine with us missing communion to go be with Him forever. Amen? Now, someday, we're no longer going to be laboring for the Lord. But instead, we're going to be reigning with the Lord, resting from our labors and enjoying our rewards. Now, here's the last consideration for my, why is it so quiet in here? You guys know where I'm going? No? Okay, good. Now, listen, here's our final consideration. It's kind of a twofer. It's a reminder and it's an exhortation. Listen this morning. We have far less time to earn our rewards than we do to enjoy them. 
We have far less time to earn our rewards than we do to enjoy them. Now, I think you know where I'm going with this now. In Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, we were told, See then that you walk exactly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the what? The time, because the days are evil. And then Paul would say this in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 and 11, For even when we were with you, we command you to do this, If anyone will not what? Work. Neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now, Paul told the Ephesians that our time is to be redeemed, or we have to make good use of it, because these are evil days that we live in. He then told the church at Thessaloniki that there are some in the body who are actually disorderly, or they're sowing discord among the brethren, which, by the way, God hates. And are nothing more than busybodies. And you know what a busybody is? A busybody is someone who minds other people's business when their own house isn't in order. That's what a busybody is. Minding everybody's business but your own, in essence. Are there any of those around today? Now listen to what Paul said in 1 Peter 4.15. That none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or a... Is it up there? I'm scared to look. Is it up there? Or a... Busybody in other people's matters. Would you please note the companions that the busybody travels with in the mind of the Lord? Don't be a murderer. Don't be a thief. Don't be minding other people's business when your house isn't in order. And it's not that we never say anything about wrong that's happening within the church. As a matter of fact, the Bible mandates that the church judge the church. We don't judge those who are outside. Sinners are just doing their job. They're sinning. That's what they do. They can't understand like we talked about a couple weeks ago. They don't get the things of God because they're spiritually dead. And only when you're spiritually made alive can you understand the things of God. It's nonsense to them until they're born again. That's why the explanation for what we are to do in life is limited to go to the world and preach the gospel. Because until somebody accepts the gospel and they're born again, the rest of the stuff isn't going to make any sense. So that's why we keep our message simple to a lost and dying world. Tell them that God is on the throne, that they are sinners. People don't like to tell people they're sinners today because people don't like to hear it as though people used to like to hear it, but they don't anymore. Nobody ever wanted to hear that, right? But do they need to hear it? Absolutely. And listen, the point is this, and why I threw those other verses in about being a busybody, is we have little time to labor for the Lord. And none of that time is to be wasted on minding other people's business or unrepentant, sinful behaviors in our own lives. So this morning we're going to have communion together. And this morning I pray that not only will we remember the results of the cross, but that we would also remember the commitment to the cross that Jesus made, even though he despised the shame. And let's not forget that he came to do the Father's will, and he said, you know, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give give his life a ransom for many. And for this reason, John the Beloved said in 5, 16 and 17, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, Because he had done these things on the Sabbath, but Jesus answered them, saying, My Father has been working until now, and I have been working. 
And listen, saints, we have all of eternity to rest from our labors and only a vapor to accomplish them. I told this story years ago and it just popped in my head, so you're going to get it. <laughs> I used to go down, there's a beach down by our house called Salt Creek, and it's got, I don't know, 7,000 stairs or something like that. It only feels like a million coming back up. But <laughs> I used to go down on the beach, and when this church first started, I'd go down and just pray, God help us, God direct us, God uh, watch over us, provide for us all the things that any... Uh, Young church is going to be crying out to God for it. And I would go out there and I'd find myself seated on a rock just watching. I love the ocean, don't you? Yes. I mean, we were in the car one time and I, I just blew Terry's mind with my profound thought. I said, man, that's a lot of water. She's still reeling from that insight today. But that for us, I mean, we're beach people. Uh, born in Orange County, raised in Orange County, been going to beach my whole life. There's mountain people, desert people, all that kind of stuff. You get that. But we're beach people, and there's just something soothing about looking at the ocean, especially in the winter on a quiet morning, seeing the waves or hearing the waves crash, and just looking at the majesty of the sea and thinking that God holds the seas in the cup of his hand, measures the universe from the tip of his pinky to his tip of his thumb. It's just an incredible experience, and I loved uh, going down there those many, many times, and God always spoke to me. I always came away with it, just me, me, a rock, and my Bible in the ocean, and God would always speak to me. And I went down there one time, I sat, and I sat, and I sat, and I sat, and I sat, sat, and sat, and sat, and sat, and prayed, 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 prayed, nothing. Crickets. Anybody else had one of those? What is going on? And to be honest with you, I was very frustrated, and I finally gave up. And so I went to head back up the million steps up to my car, and I plodded and plodded and plodded up those stairs. And when my foot hit the top step, and it was, as always, <gasps> God spoke and he said, that's how I want you to enter into heaven. Spent for the gospel. All in. Pedal to the metal. Every ounce of energy you have, that's how I want you to enter into my kingdom. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I want to have done well in order to hear that. Don't you? Yes. And in John 17, 4 and 5, in the opening lines of the high priestly prayer, Jesus said to his father, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O oh father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world began. Now listen. As we come to this time of communion, this time is a reminder that Jesus finished the work that God gave him to do. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to use this as a time of commitment to finish the work God prepared beforehand for you to walk in because he has them, right? And this isn't related to Charlie's announcement about needing ushers and greeters and all that. <laughs> But you should sign up for those things, right? But listen, you're out there a lot more than you're in here. And it's out there that we need to be serving him, not just in here. This is our church family. We all ought to be putting our shoulder to the wheel, right? We all ought to be serving the Lord and making sure everything that needs to happen at this church happens at this church. But then when we break and hit the sidewalks, we still keep serving God. 
There's a myriad of things for us to do once we get out there. Listen, people are dying and going to hell all around us. And we need to be ministering to them. We need to have the attitude of Spurgeon, even though he was captured, as I shared with you a few weeks ago, initially with the cholera epidemic, he was captured with fear and feared for his family and feared for his life. And then the Lord gave him his word that uh, Psalm 91, that this plague will not come near you. And then he continued to minister to those who were hurting around him. And listen, that's what we need to be doing right now. We need to be telling people about Jesus right now. Why? Because everybody's afraid of dying. So we need to say, I know what happens after you die. I know exactly what happens after you die. How do you know that? Because I know somebody who died and is alive forevermore and is seated at the right hand of majesty on high, living daily to make intercession for you and I. Listen, we know the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have the message the world needs to hear. And the Lord said, you know, during the tribulation... I'm going to assign an angel to fly in the meridian or the high point in the sky where the sun is at noon and he's going to preach the everlasting gospel to the whole world and that's going to wrap things up. But until then, I have commissioned the church to go to the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And man, there's some creatures out there today. But they need to hear about Jesus. Amen. And that's what God is calling you and I to do. And listen, I was telling first service, it just popped in my head because some of the songs associated with communion, some of the songs that the church sings, and if you've ever been to Israel and seen where they think Golgotha was, uh, where Jesus was crucified, it's not on a hill. The Romans didn't crucify people on a hill. They crucified people next to a highway. They found the most high visibility place that they could to execute those who were criminals against the empire. Why? Because they wanted as many people as possible to see the consequences of going against Rome. So the king of the universe, who said, let there be light, and then later created luminaries, hung naked next to a highway so he could save your soul and mine. I don't think it's too much to be asked to serve him in this vapor that we call life. And I don't think it's too much for him to say, I want you to give it all you got until I take it home, take you home. And that's what Paul said, I am willing to spend and be spent for the sake of the gospel. Now listen, as we're coming to the table, as we're sharing in the elements, we're getting a very visible picture of what it means to be all in for the sake of other people, specifically for the sake of souls. You think Jesus enjoyed hanging naked on a cross as passerbyers went by mocking him and the others who hung there? Of course he didn't. He despised the shame. But there was a joy set before him that caused him to endure it. And it was the very reason why he would pray to the Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And he followed it with the word, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Can we pray that way? You know, Lord, I don't really want to go through this. I don't really want to do this. God asks you to do hard things sometimes. Hello? 
God asks you to do hard things sometimes. But you're about to take a little wafer and a little bit of grape juice that says, I know about doing hard things. I know all about it. I was all in for you. Will you be all in for me?